This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Good morning, everybody. If you're watching this this morning, um, we're very happy that you're here with us. You're obviously sitting at home and you are probably watching the snow outside and you're enjoying it, no doubt, because you haven't got your shoveling yet. So we wanted to do something a little bit different this morning, but it was really important for us that we created a space where family got to come together once again. And if we can't do it in person, if there's one thing that we've become more comfortable with in recent past, it is doing stuff virtually. And so here we are together. I have got some good news, though. In fact, I have some fantastic news for virtual people. If you're a person who is at home and for whatever reason you haven't had the opportunity to be interconnected with us and to be a part of the family gathering on a Sunday morning, it's become more and more apparent to us how important it is for the family to be able to come together and in unity on a regular basis. And so what we're wanting to do in that regard is we have actually moved ourselves to a place where in terms of technology and in terms of a new band coming together, we are going to start streaming live worship and praise starting from next week. And so the good thing about that is you know exactly when church is going to start. And if you're a person who's virtual, you have no reason for being late. (laughs) 10.30 next Sunday, we'll be on. So we invite you to come and to join us. And if you can't be here in person, at least in some way, you'll be connected with the family. We wanted to do something a little bit different this morning. And so um, I've asked Abel and Nate and Ruff to come and join me. And we've been speaking a little bit about where we are as a church and how we see ourselves going forward. And I think it's important that we have them with us because it provides us the opportunity to get a a bird's eye view and a perspective um, as to how things are happening and what's happening across the spectrum of living faith and how we see this rolling out. The thing that's become so apparent to us and and is so meaningful in moving forward is that Christ is the center of everything. Where are we looking? What are we focusing on? It is something that affects and has implications for the most fundamental aspects of our life. It touches on things like destiny. It touches on aspects like purpose, us discovering who we are, our identity, why we have the nature we are, why we were created the way that we were created, how we're able to step into everything that God has provided for us, not because he's wanting us simply to take who he is and represent it to the world, but because in touching us, he's expressing his love for us in a multitude of different ways. Every time we're able to touch an aspect of him, every time we're able to engage an aspect of him, it's an invitation for us to for him to touch our life and our experiences and our circumstances and everything that characterizes who we are so that we are immersed in a deeper revelation, understanding and experiential reality of a God who just adores us. Mr. Abel, you kick things off. We had a great prayer this morning and the focus of this morning's prayer was all about keeping our eyes on Christ. Talk to us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I, uh, you know, the scripture I put up for us was 1 Corinthians um, 2 2. It's one of my favorite scriptures where I think a lot of people are. And it's where Paul says, you know, I am determined to know nothing except Jesus and Jesus crucified. And I love how the Amplified puts it where he says, I resolve to know nothing, you know, um, to be conscious of nothing, to display the knowledge of nothing except who Jesus is. And what he already did for us. Mm. And I think we're, we're learning as a body here that we're not in charge. Wow. That 
he wants to do something and he wants to be something for us. And like you said, he, he adores us. And I feel like as a body, we're learning to let him truly adore us and to really let him kind of be the head. We're, we're here mm. to, to really surrender to something that he's already done. And I feel like, I think talking to Nate and certain people, it almost feels like we're, we're almost reading the Bible again for the first time. It's yeah. like we're being reintroduced to grace, that mm-hmm. that grace is something he provided. Righteousness is something he provided. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like it's like we're going back to the basic, which is him. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to leave that, that he did it. Everything is because he did it. We We get everything that the kingdom offers because of him, period. And we're, we're not leaving that place. There's no buts, ifs, or ands about it. It's the fact that Jesus did it. And I feel like we're learning to really start from that place instead of seeking it out, of just starting of he did it. Yeah. So now we can mm. go together mm. because of what he did. I think what you're saying is so good. And I think it is a wonderful place of discovery. I think something that's become so meaningful for me and so significant in our journey moving forward is the fact that everything that we're doing comes wrapped in love. And when we, do, when we discover something out of obligation, it becomes a religious endeavor and it becomes a works program. But when we approach that scripture from the perspective of love and understanding all that it has available to us, we begin to recognize that it's nothing more than an invitation into an expansion and newness and encounter with who he is. Mm. And so moving forward with a grounding and a foundation that's established on love and his adoration for who we are becomes something that is incredibly powerful. You know all about love. You're a big love man. Yeah, yeah, Pastor, I am because uh, for a long time I hated myself, you know, and then uh, Jesus found me. And what I love about him is that I did nothing. <laughs> if anything, I was doing the opposite of good. And Jesus showed up one day on, on during the worship and he was like, hey, I love you. Can I have your life. You don't want it. Can I have it? And I was like, sure. You know, and then the minute I gave it to him, like suicidal thoughts left me, depression left me, the, the wanting to smoke, the wanting to drink, uh, all the things that were weighing me down just left me, you know. And what I realized was I was angry all the time to protect myself. And but really it was because I hated myself. And so I spent so much time with this Jesus who loves me so much that I ended up becoming love mm. because you become the thing that you spend the most time with. Yeah. You know. And so, uh, but I love that because even in Romans 4, it talks about how when you have this brand new life with Christ, which started because he loves us, uh, as soon as that happens, he forgets about your past. And I think the thing that slows us down as a body is that we're constantly going to our past and resurrecting that dead man. And, uh, And I love Romans 4 because it talks about the faith of Abraham. And nowhere in Romans 4 does God talk about how Abraham failed. If anything, it actually says Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. I, I've, I read the Bible and it, he, he actually wavered a couple of times, you know, him and his wife. But while I was reading Romans 4, Holy Spirit was like, I don't remember that. Why are you remembering that? And I was like, this is what I remember. I remember that Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. And he was like, it's the same thing with you. You know, and that's what I love about love is that it erases your past and lets you start fresh and new. Mm. So I love love. Yeah, it's a great <laughs> revelation. I think you, you also touch on something that's so significant. It's where are we looking? What are we looking at? And it, it's something that I was going to speak on this week. And so we'll be speaking on it next week. Yay. But what we look at becomes so significant. 
Um, and it's something you touched on, I think, a few weeks ago when you were speaking. It's so easy for us to get distracted. It's so easy for us to look at our environment and the storms and what's happening around about us. But it becomes particularly pertinent in moving forward that we keep our eyes focused on him as being the center of everything. We are in a nation right at the moment that's torn apart with many, many reasons. Um, and we have a society and a political system and we have an environment that is very caustic in many ways. And it's alienating, it's polarizing, it's fragmented. And the one thing that the church has to offer right at the moment is Christ. The great thing about the church right at the moment is that we're sitting saying, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what defines you. The most important thing is that Christ in you is the hope of glory. And the thing that unifies every one of us, despite the fact that we, we may look and appear different, is the fact that we have an invitation to experience, to encounter, and to reveal his glory inside every single one of us. And it's, it's exciting moving forward in that because as the world seems to become more fragmented, if there's one thing that the body should be doing, it's becoming more united. So it positions us in a place where we're able to begin to mirror to the world how a, a people can come together and be united in a way not based on commonalities other than him, which is really exciting. Nate, talk to us a little bit about what's happening with the, the youths of today. Oh, the youths. I love the youths. Um, I think, I mean, I love, I love unity. And I would love to see a generation that, of young people that doesn't attack when they see someone different than them. Or it doesn't, but they know how to, I mean, because really in the body of Christ, what we need is uniqueness. If you're different than me, that actually benefits me. Um, and so what I love about this generation is we are so diverse. Um, and I, I actually, I, I've been on the, I have to admit, just keep this between us, Pastor Gavin, please. <laughs> I have to admit, I, I've, I've kind of beat up the, our, our generation, millennial, and in my head, I'm like, come on, guys, why are we so divided? But I've looked at like myself in the mirror, and I've even talked with you, Pastor Gavin, really recently about it, is, is I'm only perpetuating what's going on inside of myself. So I've been finding like, this generation is, if they're divided within ourselves, if, 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 not even just the entire world. If we're divided within ourselves, all we'll be able to give out is division. Yeah. So if we want unity in the church, or no, if we want unity in the world, we're going to demonstrate it first in the church. And if we want it in the church, it's not these walls. It's I'm his temple. So if my, if my attention is distracted between pleasing you, my boss, Pastor Gavin, and pleasing the Father, then I'm going to be unstable in all my ways. And I will perpetuate division in how I raised my son and, and all this stuff. And, and we can take these like, well, I guess I'll just leave it at that. So I, I love what we're talking about, whether it's, whether it's love um, and our, or it's our focus, um, because whatever I, I found, whatever my focus is on, I fill myself with, and then I overflow from that. So like, we're, we're sitting here wanting this glory, but the weight of God, the weightiness of his presence, if there is division, it would actually break us and not build us up. Like if I've broken my wrist before, it was terrible. They said they wrapped it up in a cast, they put it back together, and I couldn't lift any weights with it. But bench pressing with a with one bone in my arm is way different than bench pressing when one bone is two. It was designed to be one, but if there's if if, if it becomes divided, that's all broken bone is, then weight actually hurts it. It doesn't help it. And so like 
the weightiness of God is only going to bring out what is already inside of our hearts. So we feel like the, even in churches, we see like God move, but actually there's more division afterward. It doesn't make any sense. Isn't that crazy? We feel the, we feel the move of God and we go out and be like, we look at the world like, come on, clean yourselves up. The Pharisees did it all the time. They even got mad when Jesus washed his hands. They didn't wash his Jesus did not wash his hands. Look at this gross dude. Oh my gosh. Oh, how dare you? Oh, I don't even want to get into that because I was just like that Pharisee just recently. But yeah. We'll keep That's that good. Us. I'll go off yeah. that. And just to even piggyback what he said about the broken bone. And, and I know, Pastor Gavin, we all, we've all seen this that what weight does or pressure, it exposes where we are separated from him. And I think during this time, we're seeing, is he really your rock? Yes. Mm. You know, during, yeah. during uh, the election, was he a rock? When COVID first hit, was he a rock? When the race thing happened, is he a rock? You know, the enemy is, is trying to really get, you know, get our attention off him. Yes. That's why Paul just flourished everywhere. Prison. Didn't matter what was going on politically. Doesn't matter if a snake bit him. He was he. It was just he never ever left that place of there were no broken bones because he did it. And I feel like we're, we're, what God is doing is bringing us to a place where we're actually, because of the weight, we're learning how to really rest. And that is the word that I feel like that's really hitting right now is the word rest. That when the storm comes, we're in a place where we're going, oh, yeah, it's not me, it's him. And we're learning how to rest through it. You know, I think that's the beautiful thing. You know, we all love the, the easy times, but when the weight comes, that's when it should be exciting for us. That's when Christians should go, oh, but him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. we have those moments where, like, we kind of will flinch and go, oh, okay, maybe I need to get out of the way. You know, and I think mm-hmm. we're, we're learning that, you mm-hmm. know, and that's why we have each other. And I think it's just a beautiful time to be alive with him but yeah go ahead Rob. yeah i just do love the i love that analogy you just gave of the broken bones you know and really love heals those broken bones like mm. your blood cells going and repairing that's because it loves your body yeah you know if it hated your body then it would be an autoimmune deficiency and it'll actually be going against you you know so i was just thinking about love and how like hollywood does a good job of like you know I love the notebook. You guys know I love the notebook, okay? And like Nicholas Spark stuff, you know. Uh, but I'm still a man here. I eat steak. I shoot guns. All that fun stuff, okay? So anyway, so but what I what I don't like about that Hollywood does is that they make it so fairy tale. They're like love is just uh, like you need somebody else in order to feel this love, or you're chasing a prince charming or or whatever. But really, love is an actual living thing, and his name is Jesus. Yes. You know, because God, for, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son. So like the thing that sent Jesus wasn't hatred. It was actually love. So love is an actual powerful substance. And so if it really the way that you get rid of division and you invite unity is by love. Yeah. Right. Even Jesus said the only commandment is to love the father with all your heart, soul and strength. But the goal of that isn't the goal of, of that is in the conversations with God and pursuing how to love him better, you actually end up getting love back, you know, and then healing happens and then healing happens within yourself. And because of that, you're able to actually give it to other people, Yeah, you know? So I, I love that analogy you gave about the bones because literally your body loves himself so much that it's healing itself. And that's what I think is happening in the body as well. So I, I just really want to encourage that love is just so powerful, mm. you know? So I think what's, what is, um, so important like another principle that seems to be coming out is the idea that you cannot give what you do not have mm. and it it begins to 
reverberate with us and we start to recognize its significance when we understand that when we come together corporately as a body, I think very often there is a side to us where what we want to do is we want to come to church to see what we can get. But when we begin to recognize that the greater one is on the inside of me and it introduces the opportunity for us to change our disposition. So what we begin to see is, okay, how do I go into a corporate setting and release the great one who's on the inside of me? What does he want to do in that setting? How does he want to use me in that environment? And I think when we get to that place, it, it starts to change the dynamic, particularly about places like a Sunday uh, morning or a when, uh, Wednesday evening, when we start to have a look at those things where people come in with a disposition, which is not about consumerism. It's about how do I take who is, who he is, who he is and release him in the expectation of what could happen. What would that look like? Um, I think that's something that's really important about the move that we, we, we're going into is I believe that the Holy Spirit is underscoring the significance of the great one on the inside of us and how he wants to perform something incredible in our lives to change who we are, to bring healing, to bring unity, to bring refocus, to bring us to a place of, of elevation within ourselves and completeness within ourselves in him so that we have something more solid, a foundation of faith, you know, let Christ be established in your heart by faith um, so that we have something we can take and we can introduce to the world. I think in a tangible way, that's how people realize and are exposed to an aspect of who he is. Yes. So there's a responsibility. All of us are missionaries. Yeah, We're just not called to foreign lands. We yes. call to Manassas, which sometimes this might be a foreign land if you come <laughs> from somewhere else. I don't know. But um, the, the significance of, of the greater one on the inside of us is just something that resonates more and more mm. with me. That's good. Um, I was talking to um, um, the intercessory team and exactly what you said and, and what she said was, I was like, what, what did you sense during the prayer time? She said, oh my gosh, she said, the hunted are becoming the hunters. Mm. And I feel like exactly what you said, we've, the church has been so defensive. We've, we've waited where I feel like now there's so much, we're learning how to rest so much in Christ that we can't help but shine. Mm. You know, it's like, sometimes we just wait for the promise. Now it's like, I have the promise. Now I'm going to go get it. Mm. There's such mm. this, I feel like in the body of Christ to go explore, to go, to go be an entrepreneur, to go be creative, you know, mm. you know, there, there's, we have these promises and I feel like we, we've just kind of held them and waited defensively where I feel like what he's doing is what you just said is, is causing us to like, okay, now go hunt. Mm. Like we have him mm. like what else, mm. you know? And I just, I just love that, that the, the hunted are now becoming the hunters, mm. you know, it's becoming offensive for us, yeah. which I believe Jesus was offensive. Yeah. He hung out at the bars. He went out everywhere he go. He was, yeah. he was hunting left and right. You know? <laughs> Some of us are waiting, like, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. He said, go, you got the word. Like, yeah. I think it's, it's, it's exciting yeah. times. Yeah. yeah. I think I th- it's, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was, I was going to say, I was trying to, well, we don't know about what happened on 66 this morning. But I'll say that I know from experience, it's really hard to be on the offensive when you're offended. That's right. Like personally, like if it's about me and how, how you're treating me and I'm only doing as well as you're treating me, then it's so hard for me 
to bring, you know, the kingdom. Yeah. And even like, even those, uh, the Pharisees that are sitting with Jesus, which mm-hmm. I've been there before with Jesus, and I've been offended about how he's done things before. But um, even, even them, the reason why he was upset was because they did their tithe, they did everything, but they neglected the most important thing. And he said they would go into the synagogues and they'd find the most honorable seat and they'd, they'd sit in, at the front door waiting for the people to greet them. And they're basically like, you know, looking for the honor, looking for the weight, looking and saying, look at me and stuff. And it's like, that will always happen if we neglect the most important thing. Like if, if something becomes more important than Jesus, then that's when, that's when it gets really easy. Like for me, for me, like even, even going about my day to my day to day stuff, if anything, even how I drive, if something becomes more important than Jesus, if if it's me, look at me or let me have the weight, then it's so easy to not only get offended, but to not bring anything, even coming to church. I mean, literally they're going through, you look at the Pharisees, what they did. They went through all of the laws. And they're like, he's not washing his hands. I know this rule. This is praise and worship. We're supposed to lift our hands this high. You know, this is, you're not raising. Oh my gosh, look at this guy. The only reason they'd be judgmental is if they're not looking at the, him. Yes. If he's not the most important thing, they're ne- neglecting the most important thing. And so I've been asking myself recently when I get, um, even in times like this, like what is the most important thing when we have to share up here? What's the most important thing? When you're listening to something like this, it was just a good teaching. Oh, this wasn't good. I like the other one better. Sorry, no offense. <laughs> I mean, but I, no, 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 no. But I've been there. I've been there and listening to these guys here on stage. No offense to you guys, but I've been like, ah, you know, oh, I don't know if I, you know, I could listen to something. And it's like, what am I here for? Am I here for? The, is the kingdom the first and most important thing to me? And no, like I said, no offense. Um, but when he's the most important thing, you're not looking at the words that are coming out of my mouth. You're looking at the person that came from the man who's got eyes like fire. I mean, literally, if you look at uh, Psalm 119, verse 105, it says, your light, so your word is a light unto my feet, a lamp unto my path. This morning, I woke up, I was there with Levi, it was pitch black, he's playing with his little lamp toy, and he runs and he falls on his face. And he falls on his over, trips over his toy because it's so dark. And I was laughing. I mean, I probably shouldn't be laughing. But I was laughing because he's taking what was meant to light his path and he's obsessing over it to the point where it's actually making him trip up. And I was thinking of how many times I've taken a prophetic word and go, thank you, God, you wait right here. I have my prophetic word for myself. And I've missed out that it's actually designed to reveal where I should put my weight. Yes. Where should I rest my feet? It's designed to illuminate the path. Jesus, the way, the truth, and life. It's actually designed, his word is designed to reveal him. So everything I get from him, everything I get from Pastor Gavin or these guys is actually not so I could put in a pretty notebook and have a nice Christian, you know, cookie cutter life. Yeah, yeah. Or sing some Christian karaoke and like, that was a great song. They didn't play the song. You know, it's not about that. It's have you seen this man whose eyes are like fire? Have you seen him? Great. Fantastic. Then you haven't missed the most important thing. And anyone from Maryland can cut you off and you'll be fine. <laughs> Come on now. Come on. That, that's a good word right yeah. there too. Yeah. I, I was even thinking about like practically, I think it's so easy when, when we're in a church setting, right? Like we're all together. I'm like, I'm on fire. I'm like, I want to see Jesus, you know, with eyes of fire. But like, it's not just when we're together. He wants to do it when I'm just walking down the hall. You know, he wants to see me when I'm, I'm playing Xbox with the boys or I'm at the gym, you know, or I'm at Home Depot doing something and I'm meeting the person at the register. And so I think practically it's by every thought. Like if you really think about it, we have a thought before we do anything, Mm -hmm. you know. But is it life or is it death? Mm -hmm. You know, is it out of love or is it out of hatred? Mm -hmm. And and so I think the way that we keep our eyes on Jesus is really like every thought that we get, having a conversation with him about it. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes something that it's concrete thinking, which you have to think about. But then it naturally turns to a subconscious thought where it's like, oh, yes, Jesus. 
you know, Jesus. And then, then you can rejoice, just how it says right here in Romans 5. Then we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. You know why your trial isn't fun right now? <laughs> it's because you, you subconsciously you haven't known that Jesus is going to make everything okay. And it's okay because in this trial, you get those concrete thoughts that then turn into your subconscious. Is that too practical? No, I'm getting too That's practical. Right, right. I mean, but really it changed my life because before my concrete thinking was, I hate myself. Oh, I spilled paint. Oh, man, if the boys see this, if Pastor David sees this, if Pastor Gavin sees this, I'm going to get a whooping. Right. But then God was like, why would you get a whooping? Like, I'm your father and I love you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So then my concrete thinking was, let me not hide from him. Let me actually bring him into this moment. And now every thought that I get is like, oh, man, he loves me even though I messed up. And if he loves me, then I know Pastor Gavin's going to love me and Pastor David's going to love me, too. And you know what I mean? So then it's a good thing. It's a good Mm. thought. So anyways, I love Mm. you. Every thought. Yeah, I was just thinking about the, if you're putting your weight on how Pastor Gavin or Pastor Pastor Dave. You're trying to speak about Pastor Dave. <laughs> okay, it's but always if, Pastor Dave. But but if but if if I'm putting my weight on that, is that a safe place? That's right. Is that a safe place Come to on. put all my weight on? You know, is it a safe place to put my weight of where I'm going to establish myself on the Word of God plus how I feel right now? Or just the word of God. Yeah. Right. Literally, like I'm watching Levi trip over these toys, not because they're bad. Like if it was all flat land, he would have been fine. But it was the fact that it was established ground and just one thing. There's nothing inherently wrong about a toy. Nothing. But the second you put your foot on a toy on top of the ground, it's unstable. Like it's, it's two things. It's Jesus plus my plan. Jesus plus my whatever. Jesus plus, but what, what does Pastor David think? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know Jesus loves me, but, but also what about Pastor David? What does he think? The second it gets like that, you get insecure, right? Yeah. I've been there because yeah, <laughs> he loves me so well. Pastor David and God, both of them. (laughs) (laughs) But but I think the goal is the influential part. It's like, well, now you're robbing the opportunity for Father God to come and give you a thought of love that's going to change that person's life. Mm. It doesn't matter who it is. You know, it doesn't matter what their title is. But that thought and that concrete thinking of Father God's love is actually the thought that changes people and transforms them. Yeah. You know, and that's the part that I love. And that's literally what Jesus did. All his motives were out of love, even when he was talking to the religious Pharisees. Like, how can you call somebody a, a washed up rag out of love? And Jesus was like, I love them anyways. They were my sons, you know? So, I don't know. I, I think, I just love you guys. <laughs> I think what's exciting about where we're going is that people are walking into um, a, a, an experiential transformation in themselves. They're recognizing that everything that Jesus has done is not supposed to be some theory or some idea that sits out there, but it's supposed to be an idea that I recognize in the moment. It's like, okay, hold on all of a sudden. I'm at a place where opportunity is presenting itself. Am I going to listen to what's happening around me? Am I going to pay attention to what's lying in front of me? Am I going to pay attention to somebody else's voice? Am I looking at the storm? Or do I hear what he has to say and I understand and I recognize the invitation? What am I allowing access to my life so that it's able to come in and bring about change and transformation. Right. You know, and it, it just, I, I think that as a lifestyle, once we begin to pay closer attention and we're more um, intentional about before just jumping into an action, yeah. but as you say, being cognizant of the fact I got options available before yes. I just deal with the situation and finding out what his invitation is 
And in that place sitting saying, I'm going to have a sozo moment. I don't feel like doing this. I don't know that I can do this. I don't know whether I have the capacity to do, to do this, but he's inviting me into it. And because of that Holy Spirit, I can't do this without you. And so I need to have an encounter right here. I need for you to be able to lead me down that path and let me walk on the water. Because yeah. outside of you, it's not going to happen. Yeah. And I think that's where it becomes very much a part of who we are. It, it's experiencing things where we, we've, got a, we've got a testimony at the end of it. Yeah. We're able to sit and say, I touched the astonishing. It was amazing. <laughs> yeah. That's what's exciting about Christianity. And I think that's a place where we should be going. I don't want to speak too much longer because we've been up here for about 40 minutes already. But what I want to encourage you to do is this. Um, look for opportunities this week. Be cognizant and be, be aware in going forward in circumstances and situations. We, we behave out of rote and we all too often just jump into actions and words without necessarily building in a little bit of time to sit and say, hold on a moment, what's the invitation? Can I hear the invitation in that moment? Because it provides me with an opportunity to experience an alternative that I may not have considered. It's going to be a good week. Make it a great week. Before we leave, Nate, why don't you pray us out? Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for the gift that you are. Mm. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you take our eyes, take our focus, and take every opportunity we can possibly get this week today, even now in this moment, to keep you as the most important thing. Yeah. Thank you that whatever we face, whatever we walk through this week, we don't walk through it alone, but we have a man that's with us that has eyes like fire and we get to fall deeper and deeper in love with him. Not for the sake of getting tinglys or the sake of whatever, but the sake of he's worthy of our attention and you're worthy of our focus. So we give it to you now. God, we find even more ways to give you more weight in our life. We thank you so much for blessing the faithful givers to this house, not just financially, but people who come and bring their hearts and share. Don't just come and consume. They come and pour out who you are in this place, not just in these four walls, but in all over Manassas and Northern Virginia and wherever they come from. Mm. We thank you, God, that there's a transformation, there's a shifting happening in this region because of what you're doing in people's hearts, that you're making yourself right at home in people's hearts. We say yes to everything you're doing and after everything that's ahead of us now. It's here now, but it's also coming. We say yes to both of them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.